Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. series uh, on the soul, looking deep within the soul. It's kind of a reset series to get us going and maybe a new season, new school year for some just as we move on into the fall season. And I want to make sure that you know each week if you come, there is notes. And so if you come upstairs and you receive a weekly program, one of those sides has some fill-ins. You can follow along, keep you awake in the message. On the back side, though, is a set of small group questions called Doing Life Together. And we create that to customize from the message so that when you gather with your small group, it's an opportunity to digest a little bit more of God's Word and even learn from what you have received. Because I don't know about you, the, the brain kind of receives and then it, go, it goes out the ears, okay? It goes really quickly. Unless we take some time to receive something, then process it a little bit, discuss it with other people around you, read it again, it gets in you. That's what this doing life together is of applying God's word because the best sermon is the one that's actually lived out. It's not from here, it's from where we're at. So I wanted to cast that vision as we go into the fall for our groups. I'm so excited. You'll hear more about that in the next couple weeks. Our soul series, though, we've been focusing on how easy it is to get so distracted and we can neglect the most important part of who we are. We need to be reminded there's one person, there's one person to keep the soul, and that person is you. You are sole responsibility to guard it and to care for it. And if we don't, if we don't, if we don't, Jesus has this warning to us. that You could, you could try to win the whole world and do all that you're going to do in this world, and yet you could forsake or forfeit your own soul. And that's why we're taking some time to focus on that today, this month. And today specifically, we're going to talk about the issue of having a restless soul, a restless soul. This message and really the whole series kind of been birthed out of my time where I, I took away called a pastoral sabbatical. I took the summer off. It was an incredible, incredible gift, not only that God gave me, but through our church leadership here to allow me to take this time off. And as much as some of you are like, wow, wouldn't it be great to take two months off? I'll tell you, when you first start out doing something like, like myself, like how I am wired, it is really, really hard Like to go from doing, 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 doing to just be, just be. That was the, the goal of the, the sabbatical is to find soul rest. Well, after a week of doing to-dos and all the things I needed to do because I was getting ready to go on the sabbatical, I got all that stuff done. I'm like, okay, now I've got like, I don't know, seven more weeks. Now what am I going to do? Well, I ended up having an opportunity to borrow a cabin east side of the, the mountains and I was able to get away for a few days on my own. And so doing that was... I knew that in that time, I'm going to start trying to just be. And it's hard to be, hard to relax when you're, when you're focused on trying to do that. And I got too focused on it almost, like I was psyching myself out, like, how do I do this? Well, fortunately, uh, my son, last minute, I threw his hammock, and I didn't tell you, Grant, sorry about that, but I threw his hammock in the back of the car, and I set that up, and, and here I was, uh, my first day in the hammock, and I want to tell you this, and don't be blinded by my white feet there, but um, 
I tell you, it was so good when I set up the hammock that nobody was around as you, you know, to watch me get in the hammock, okay? Like, it's like, okay, I think I figured it out. Like, okay, I'm three, four feet suspended off the ground. Is this thing going to hold me? And then I got in, you know, going, ooh, this is good. This feels really good. This is like second to the womb, okay? It was just nice. And, and, and I get in there, and then so I'm reading and praying and, and, you know, and just, okay. And then I just felt God just saying, will you chill? Just relax. This is the point of it. Don't even pray. I'm like, well, Lord, I'm praying to you. I'm talking to you now. I'm having this conversation. This is the dialogue. Just stop striving. Just be. So I bead for a while. <laughs> and there I am. And I did that for a couple, couple days, a few afternoons. Just try to do that. Try to get back in this mode. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, it really set the tone for me for the next several weeks where I did, did that around Whatcom County at places. So you might like, hey, I, Rick, that looks... that. That little hammock looks familiar. I was probably at Boulevard in, in some kind of cocoon uh, this summer. You didn't know it was me, but it, I, was, I was there. But what I learned is this. I wrestled for the next couple days. I wrestled through my thoughts and my fears and my anxiousness and my doubts. And I, I really felt like God definitely did a work in this, this, this last summer that I would say even this last week was just kind of a stressful week. I'm going, oh, I sure miss that. I sure miss the hammock time. I sure miss those moments that I, I think back upon. And the reality is, as you know already, is like, well, buddy, you got to get to the real world, okay? The real world's here. And it's true. The, the, the reality is we live in a busy, restless world, and yet there's these moments that God wants us to have. And I want to talk about what those moments can look like for you to find rest for your so, so now I know you didn't have the luxury of having a sabbatical, but I want to tell you, there's an opportunity, there's some truth here I, I believe I can convey to you, and I, I am passionate about for you and I to find really truly what soul rest is. But I've come to this, and this is pr pretty basic thought is this, that our soul functions best in a place of rest. Our soul how we function best, the, the inside of us, the core of who we are, functions best when we get rest. We all know the feeling when we don't get rest, okay? We, if you're a parent and your child is, you know, somewhere between the age of like zero <laughs> to beyond, and if your parents, and you remember your kids when they're little, if your child did not get a nap, it's toast, it's brutal, right? And some of us know the feeling as adults, when we don't get our rest, we turn into that, right? We turn into that. And so, there. It, but I tell you, the rest is beyond getting a good night's sleep. It's beyond that. There's something deep that God does and wants to do in our life. Now, here's the question. How good are you doing nothing? Now, some of you have teenagers, and you're like, well, you can talk to my kid and how they do nothing. Um, that's bad. I'm sorry, kids. Um, some of us are really good at doing nothing. Some of us are terrible at just doing nothing. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard just to be, but we live in this busy, busy world, and it's hard, it's hard for us to just rest in a restlessness around us. 150 years ago, it was really simple. How you got rest was this. You, it was dark, and you went to bed, and then you, you, you woke up when it was light. That was it. There was no alarm clocks. There was no app to wake you up. There was no nothing around you. No one needed white noise of a fan. It was just, there was nothing. 
It's just you went to bed when it's dark, you woke up when it's light, and that's how, how it went. And you got more sleep in the wintertime because it was more dark, and then less sleep in the summer. It's just the, the, but we don't live in that world anymore, and we have this wonderful thing called electricity that we can actually see inside this building, and, and it's, it's great, but yet it has been a bit of detriment on the health of our lives. In fact, there was a study that was shown that over the generations in the past 20th century, that each progressive generation has become more stressed out and depressed than the last. So technology has not helped us relax. It has, it's increased the stress in our life because of the world and how small the world has gotten, which is right in the hand, palm of our hand. And, they, and, and what they found is generations, I would say the younger generation, is this, is through social media, they found that it, there is this FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. And, and you don't think you need something or want something until you see your friend have it. You're like, I don't need, well, wow, look at them, what they're doing. And pretty soon we get stressed out and the comparison and the judgment, all that swirls around us that happens. And yet, this is so interesting, is that in a, in a book actually Eric recommended called Growing Young and Churches Understanding the Younger Generation, it was all statistics. There's a bulk of it. At the beginning, it talks about statistics of from 18 to 29-year-olds. They asked this question to them. And this, this was the question. How, how should the church, or is there importance for the church to improve in technology? And the answer that, that was pulled for that demographic was this. They could care less about the church being more relevant technologically. What they want is relationships. Deep and meaningful relationships. That is what they're crying. So you can, you understand, we can be so connected in this world and yet be so disconnected in, in relationships that we desperately, desperately need them. And that's why our high school ministry here has moved from one location to multiple locations throughout our community in small groups gathering around in community together, needing deep, needing deep and meaningful relationships are so key. And yet the side effect of our advancement society is it has made us stress. It has caused it. So if you're wrestling with restlessness, um, can, I, can I tell you this? If you're thinking about what's the next thing you're going to be doing and what's going, and you're, you're you know, twitching a little bit, this, this is going to be for you, I think, today. To take an opportunity to find it. Now, if you don't know what you know, what, what rest looks like, or how, how, do, how do I know? I guess I'm restless. So here's, some, here's some warning signs to help you that might be somewhat obvious, but as a reminder to us. The first is this. If you're not sure if you're, you're in a restless state, uh, you need to look at the, the margin in your life. What you find is there's a lack of margin for a restless person, and and margin is like that white space on, the, on your page in your notebook. It, it's, it's really talking about having margin in our lives uh, in, in our schedules. My wife and I have learned, I've learned this, that uh, in our relationship, if we don't create margin, that brings stress. And you and I, what we can do is we can try to fit everything, single thing back to back to back to back to back in our schedule. And we go, look, hon, I tell her, it all fits together, right? Well, guess what? There's not a lot, a lot of margin of error of something going off and something not quite right that it's all going to match up. And pretty soon, it can be overwhelming. And maybe your family's experienced that. Like you're trying to fit everybody in, try to make it all work and all that's going on. Again, we live busy lives. But where do you schedule times to do nothing? 
Where do you find that? If you're finding you're, you're stressed out and you're losing energy, that could be a sign of that. Is, is really is this, is that you're, there's, there's not a place of a sense of being. There's not a, sense, a, a place of, of feeling fully present with the people that you love and those, especially God, in your relationship with him. Another area of warning signs of restlessness is this. You seek entertainment to escape. You're like, I just want to relax. I just want to, you know, and what we find is that amusement and entertainment are not a, a form of, of rest. As much as I love watching a, a movie or enjoying the precious Seahawks that'll be playing this afternoon and, and hoping to have an offense today, I'm excited about that. Um, but Netflix, Netflix binging is not, is not going to bring relax. It's really just a distraction and dealing with the issues that we have. And that, the other area that leads to, or can cause, or be a part of restlessness to this, is impulsiveness. Impulsiveness is buying, eating, drinking, spending. And we're looking at, kind of looking, don't really think about the long-term effects, and we get caught up in that. And, and we, you know, look at people that have drug addictions, like, man, those poor people. And yet we can find ourselves in adrenaline rush by what we're doing and what we're consuming. And and the reality is our soul will never be satisfied. We sang it today that Christ is enough for me. Is he? Is he really? Apostle James says this of the unsatisfied soul. Where do you find all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they're just happening? You think about, think again, he says, think about, yes, it's the world and North Korea and, you know, all the different terrors and all the things that are going on and the, the strife in this world. He says this, he said, they come from because of you wanting your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. So what causes this impulsiveness, it can also lead to agitation. It's the little things that bother you. <laughs> Now, if you're with someone, a friend or a loved one, and, and they, they're like loud gum chewers, and you're like, like assassinate their character for it, okay? Like over, like, okay, there's a problem there. I think you're, you, you got something going on deeper inside of you. If you this last week regret what you sent, you create more drama in your life. Is it because of something deep going on. There's just something trouble in you. And now you've got this mess to clean up and the relationships that are part of that. That's a sign that maybe your soul is troubled. Another area is this, is just hurry. Hurry is like a disease. There's not enough hours of the day of the week. You're always on a race, it seems, to beat the clock or beat the person next to you and the lane next to you. Um, if, if someone's screaming your name to get your attention, it might be a sign that you're going, going, going. If you're praying in the grocery store that as you come in that no one runs into you, you just want to get in, you just want to get out, okay? There's not margin in your life. Or if you run into that person in the grocery store and they're just pouring out, I don't know why, sometimes I have people just pour out their problems and I'm, they're not even my church, they're not even a part of our church, they're just, they, I just look like a person to tell your problems to. And I'm holding my groceries and I, I try not to nod too much because my nodding is telling them to continue to go faster. I am not in a good place. And I have to say, okay, God, yeah, die to that. But it's tough when we have this disease of hurry in our lives. And you know, you know it's happening to you because you don't have time for this conversation. You don't have the energy for this conversation. Why now? Call me. Here's my card. No, it doesn't happen that way. It's these moments, and yet we 
find ourselves so, so stressed by them. See, I'm wondering when it's all said and done, will we realize that in our race of the goal of getting and picking the shortest line and getting all this stuff done in record time, was it worth it? Jesus says, nope. You gain the whole world and, and lose your own soul. Someone summed it up like this of hurry. Hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well. And the problem with hurry is this, it turns to worry. And that's anxiety, anxiousness. Now, fear and anxiety are a little different. Fear is actually a God-given gift not to do something stupid, okay? Right? It's helping. It's a warning sign. Now, if, if we're on a trail together and all of a sudden we come across a bear, we are going to be a little bit in fear, aren't we? And we're just going to go, okay, bear, that's your turf. We're good. We're going to step away. You're fine. You know, we're good. That's fine. Now, if every time you take a trail, go on a hike, and you're fearful there's going to be a bear, that's anxiety. Anxiety is a, is, is, is a state of mind. And, I, and what we find over and over is that we don't process anxiety very well. Your body has organs that process things. Your heart takes care of the blood. Your brain, you, know, you, you have a digestive system. Your, your pancreas does something. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it, it takes care of toxins in your body so you don't have them in your body. There's, there's functions in our body, but there's no organ that processes anxiety. You thought about that? And so what, what happens with, with stress and anxiety is this, is that we start getting pains in our, in our back and we, we start feeling like our stomach, something in our gut that it's eating at us. We get pains maybe in our chest and we go to the doctor and the doctor's like, I, I've checked you out. Everything's looking really good. But doctor, I got pain. Is it possibly that you need some help right here to work through emotionally right here? See, our soul does not function best without rest. And so worry, strain, and stress, what it does at the end of it all, it fatigues us. And we get to this place where we're going, oh, I am exhausted. I'm exhausted in life. And how many know, it's not just being tired. We can get a good night's sleep. But when we wake up restless, that's weariness. And what happens with weariness over time, it can deflate us and we just feel like giving up. But I want to give you some good news here today. So good to remind us that you've gathered here to hear this. And it's this, when you want to give up and you say you're at the end, God is just at the beginning. And what's amazing is from the very beginning, God gave us a promise to be with us and to help us. And this, I love this promise in the prophet Isaiah. In fact, I just would love to, for us here to read it together. I'll read it for us here. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grows tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. And then a powerful scripture. What a wonderful reminder that, that we have this promise in God's word. When we are weary and we're tired, God is not. When we run out of brain power, his understanding no one can fathom. He, when we are so weak to our bones, he gives strength. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. He will renew you and we can fly free 
in this stressed out world that we live in. And this promise is given, it was, it was personified in Jesus, the Prince of Peace that came and died and rose again. See, there's a, there's a phone for you there, just as a reminder. We need peace and find peace only in Jesus. Only in Jesus do we, do we find that. And if you don't know Christ, you don't know peace, you don't know Jesus, Jesus wants to come in your life and says, I want to be on the throne of your soul. Allow me to. Let me be Lord. If you haven't prayed for Jesus to be Lord and Savior, we'd love to do that with you before we leave today. Is he ruling and reigning in your life? And some of you would say, yeah, I, I, I've invited Christ to be in my life and be a Christian. But are you letting him rule and reign in your soul on a daily basis? Because that's where we'll find rest. And Jesus gives us incredible promise. In fact, Scripture talks about this. You know what? What? what when I tell you how to how to receive it, it's it's actually easy. You're thinking easy? Are you kidding me? What are you talking about? Well, the the word easy appears one time in Scripture, and it's the invitation that Jesus gives for us to find rest. It's this one: Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Easy. Now, it's a soul word. It's not a circumstance word. Easy. If you're striving for easy, you're going to be frustrated and disappointed all day, every day. <laughs> but what Jesus promised is easy for us to do, and that is a surrender. We surrender ourselves to take upon his yoke. Now, yoke is not the center of an egg, okay? A yoke is like a harness line of oxen back in the day when they plowed fields. And what they would do is they would, they would take a younger, less experienced ox and they would put it with another more experienced, older ox and, and then harness them together to plow the field together. And the older would help and guide the younger to do that. And Jesus says, hey, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I I took the whole weight of your sin on the wor uh, onto the world and put it on the cross. So I have big shoulders and I want to help you learn from me, walk with me. Now, the interesting thing when Jesus says to learn from him, that's actually a, a teacher-apprentice relationship. Back in the day, rabbis, which Jesus was a rabbi, he was a teacher, they would have a following. They would have disciples and they would literally follow them around from city to city and village to village. And a yoke, they would say, take my yoke upon me, upon you. A yoke was the, the way of understanding a scripture. This is my interpretation. This is how I live uh, my faith out. And, and, and so the, the apprentices would follow the rabbi. And Jesus says, come under me. Learn from me, my ways, and how I do life. Now, how do we learn from Jesus? Well, we learn what Jesus did already. We have it. Yeah, we have the gospels, four gospels that show us how Jesus lived by what he said and what he did. He showed it to us. Now, we, we don't have time in the remaining minutes to go through all the different ways that Jesus modeled to us really specifically what rest looks like to find rest for our souls. But I want to give you a sampling, encourage you to find more as you read the Bible, the opportunities that Jesus modeled for us. Showing us rest is this. First is this, you can write it in. Our significance is found outside of our performance. Jesus models to us that our significance is found outside of the performance. 
It's interesting to think about this because if there was any, if you feel pressure to perform, can you imagine Jesus? <laughs> I mean, after healing a few people, you know, seeing a paralytic walk and, and, and a friend that uh, was dead for four days and come back from the dead, if, if he showed up and, and came to, to our church here, wouldn't, he have a, wouldn't you feel like there's a little pressure he would feel to do the Jesus stuff that Jesus does? But Jesus, what's interesting is this. At the time of Christ's baptism, before he did any kind of miracles and did the Jesus stuff that we know Jesus would do, it says when he was baptized, a, a, a voice came from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He didn't do anything yet. And it's a reminder to us that our significance is not in what we've done, but who we are. And I love this relationship that, that Jesus expresses. In fact, it's just a couple verses before the come to me all your weary passage. He says this in Matthew 11, all things have committed to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son. And those to whom the son cho cho chooses to reveal to him, those is us. It's this interwoven relationship that it's not based on performance. It's based on, again, relationship and friendship with Jesus. And so when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't, he didn't die for what he did. It was who, who he is. He is God. He died. He was, he was accused of blasphemy, claiming to be God, and he is God. And because he's God, he tells us this, is that you are chosen, you belong, you are accepted, and your significance has nothing to do with what you perform. Listen, if you don't have any arms or legs or voice, if, or you, if you don't have anything to contribute to this world, you are still just as significant to the Father and to, to, to the, 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 the people that are around us that we look to say, you are significant to us, our accolades, our love and acceptance of Jesus. It comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. The grace of significance, how many know this, liberates me from needing to stress and strive to find true rest. Another way that Jesus models to us is this, is solitude and silence. They are critical before we start another noisy day. Think about Jesus. If you feel like your life is demand, imagine him. Imagine waking up and people are just waiting for you. The, the, the crowds of people, but not only that, the 12 disciples that are following him around, like, guys, you don't, you're still with me, I guess, you know? Like, I would like, can I have just a second? Can I go to the bathroom a second? I don't know how much time Jesus had on his own, but we do know this, is that, that it says this very first chapter of Mark, it says, when he was still night, way before dawn, he got up and went out to a secluded spot and prayed. Simon, those with him, went looking for him, and they found him and said, everyone's looking for you. <laughs> He's just trying to have a break. He, what, he, what Jesus models to us is finding solitude and finding silence in our day. I don't know what that looks like for you, but all I can say in going in the model that Jesus says to learn from him is this, to do it early and often, to find a time that you can set aside in your day, find a place, the, the, the living room chair, the parking spot at lunch, that quiet coffee shop, find a place, and then also find a plan. And you're thinking, well, I don't know, just read the Bible. Well, that's wonderful, but sometimes we need some help along the way, some guides to do that. And if you're looking for a guide, I got one right here. 
It's called the, Our Daily Bread, and we have these available every single week, and they, they're three months at a time. You, you find the day. It's really easy. Find what the date is. There's a scripture to read, and there's a little thought that is there. It's a great start. In fact, my wife and I, we, we do that daily. We did it this morning at breakfast time. It just get us, gets us going. We, we take some time. We also try to pray together afterwards. It's not a long time, but it's, it's significant for us. I tell you, when we're not spending time with God in the morning, just get off. There's, a, there's something off when you don't do that. This is the most important thing you can do in your life to do this every day. Either it's this or something else, but to spend time with God and spend time in his word. It's soul food, fresh daily for you available. And finally is this, Jesus modeled to us to learn, discover that Sabbath is this permission and the liberation to find true rest. Sabbath is this permission and the liberation to find to rest. If you're here and you're feeling like you're on a treadmill all the time and you feel like you can't get anywhere and you can't get off this thing, it's so important to know that God says to us this, you can hit the stop button and to take some time to stop, to stop. And it's called Sabbath. This past summer, I spent some time being on a sabbatical, learning, okay, what does rest look like? What does Sabbath look like? Read some great books. And what I learned from this is this. It's more than taking a day off. It's more than just going to church. It's more than eating a big meal and taking a nap on Sunday. It's way more. In fact, it's a gift and a tool that God has given us to find rest. Back in the very beginning of creation, God created out of six days, and then the scripture says that he rested on the seventh day. And then we read that and go, oh, you know, God was so tired from creating the universe. No, we just read earlier in Isaiah, he's not tired and weary. He doesn't run out of energy. He's God, right? But why, why does it say rest? Rest is more than just, it actually, the, the Hebrew word Shabbat, it actually means delight. So when God created the six days, he didn't go, I'm tired. He went, whoa. And what it is, it's like an artist backing away from what they created. And what did he create? Everything, including us as prize creation. So when he sees you, he goes, oh, like this. In fact, that word in Hebrew actually means delight. It's similar to what grandparents look at their grandchildren. You know, us parents, I'm not a grandparent yet. Us children, we look at our kids sometimes that we still kind of vicariously have to live through them. So we're more like, you know, connected that way, but grandparents have this, another, if you talk to a grandparent and you're a grandparent, and it's another generation, you know, the performance thing is not a big deal, like, it's my grandchild, and they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grandfather, grandmother doting over their child, that's how God sees us, and he delights in us, and then we take this time, as, as God did to delight, that we would take time to delight in God and in one another, that we would step back and go, oh, like this, and that's where we get the word holy, whoa, holy it means to be set apart for God and set apart for this time that he gives us. So people, though, have made it religious. If you grew up and, man, on Sunday, you know what? One rule we have on Sunday, a couple rules. We go to church, and two, we don't have fun. Church and no fun. Oh, that goes really well for people, right? And you wonder why people get to adults and they go, forget that. Because they're missing. It's wrong. It's wrong. Two extremes of Sabbath is it's religious or I'm too busy. And Jesus tells us to learn from him. He says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. 
It's not about requirement. It is about a rhythm that we are to have. It's not about have to. It's about get to. It's this gift that we get to take time to delight in God. And so Sabbath means this. It means taking a rest from work, chores, world events, striving, scheming, stressing, worrying, strategizing, planning, and stewing. That you actually get permission from God to not worry about anything. They're not stressed about anything. They're not scheming because the work much of our lives is this is what needs to stop. And to get in the practice saying, no, I'm taking a break. I'm taking a 24-hour period going, I'm not going to do that. Now, Sabbath can look like it can be praying and worshiping, singing like we're doing, coming to church, but also is this, it's eating. I like that, eating, laughing, remembering, friendship, and most importantly, reminded of God's goodness. And it's to do, it, you can do it personally, but it's, it's really designed to do in community together as a family or small group of people to do that with. Now, this summer, you want to practice what you're learning. So our family, though, we had kind of put some of these things in practice. We really had some liberation, but said, we're going to do this, have a Sabbath time once a week. Now, this last couple of weeks have been a little tougher and trying to, we found some time to do that. But this summer, we took some extended time and we had two roles with it. We're this, no devices. And two, that whatever we do, we do together. Well, the first Sabbath time was my daughter, Camille. She, she said, well, I've got an eye appointment. Guess what? We all went to the eye appointment. Um, you know, the, the, the ladies went inside, and Grant and I stayed in the car, and we had probably one of the best conversations as a father and son could have. It really was awesome because we didn't have anything in front of us. The other time we did it, we, did it, we went to Peace Arch Park, and we had a picnic. We got there and settled in, and we're eating and having this picnic together, and like look around like, there's nobody here. It's like Friday night, 80 degrees, and beautiful out, and all we saw is lined up with cars at the border. That was it. And so we spent some time, Frisbee and bocce ball and that, and there was a few other, you know, a couple more people came by, but I was like, wow, how sad, this beautiful park, and nobody's enjoying it, taking the time. Whatever your Sabbath needs to look like is this, be creative and include people in how to do it. Get your, if you have children their age, get them involved. Hey, guys, what do we want to do? What, can we, what food can we make together? What activity can we do? Make it a family thing. If you're single, get some friends together. Hey, what can we do to enjoy one another? Delight in God and delight in one another. It's designed to be refueled and be restored and, re, and, and replenished. It's supposed to be life-giving, not religious. Taking the time to truly find soul rest in him. Our soul functions best when it does have a place of rest, to find meaningfulness in relationships, to find peace, to find joy. This amazing sense of being that Jesus invites us to, gives us this opportunity to do at times nothing. It does wonder to our soul. As our team comes, I just have this last question. Have you found rest for your soul? Have you found rest for your soul? I tell you, Jesus offers it to us. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The easy part is, why it's easy? Because Jesus did all the lifting. He, he lifted our sins, carried them all the way to the cross so that we can have this relationship with him. And so he invites us in. He invites us in and says, hey, I have something for you to experience. Come to me. In fact, this scripture that I want to read, it's in a different version. It's an invitation to you. Will you and I, will we, as we hear these words and we'll pray, let them be that invitation to, for you to receive. I, I invite you to close your eyes as we, as you hear this today.
Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Jesus says this, come to me. Get away with, with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lord, what an invitation that we can have, that you've given us. But Lord, we have to choose to receive it. Lord, we have to choose to unharness ourselves from ourselves, to actually submit ourselves, humble ourselves, surrender ourselves into your yoke, into your way, and your direction, your life that you have for us. So it's letting go of our own so we could join you. And you have this incredible promise that your yoke is easy. It's not burdensome. It's not, it's not to place more work. It's not to put more burden and more rules. But it's this relationship that you want us to have. And I pray, whoever's here today, whatever restlessness that they're working through, God, that you would help them, Lord. Maybe it's deeper than just being busy. Busyness is just an excuse for not wanting to deal with our issues, Lord. Lord, I, there's possibly some people here that are struggling with unforgiveness. There's bitterness. There's something deep and broken in them, Lord. But Lord, you promised to bring it, make us whole. Lord, if we, we submit ourselves under your lordship, that your way is best, and that, Lord, we really can learn this, this unforced rhythm of grace that you offer us, not just today, but to tomorrow and to the next day. We ask for that, Lord. God, if there's some here that don't find peace in their life, may they find you are the Prince of Peace, that they put their, their life in your hands to be Lord. And God, that we would learn to do that each and every day. Lord, that you would give us this weekly rhythm of Sabbath, Lord, in the busy, busy world, that we can put aside distractions, worries, struggles, and really trust in you that you will take care of it. If we find rest, true rest for our souls, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.